Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Plastering with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and my good friend, South Dan Chum, bearded legend, the daddy o, the one and only Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 199, the last of the hundreds. It's flown by. Uh, I've got a feeling it's going to be, well, it is going to be a real bumper show. We've got three games to uh, to review this week. Carl Fletcher was sacked, in case you've been uh, living out of the realms of social media or even the news. Uh, since Thursday uh, of last week, uh, Carl has been relieved of his duties. And we've got an exclusive interview with Chairman Nigel Travis, which you did after the uh, Scunthorpe game yesterday, Steve. So uh, we've got a lot of views as well. Obviously, uh, Orient fans... <laughs> One thing we do have uh, is a lot of opinions, so uh, we've got a load of them in this week's show. It's going to be a bumper show, so you might have to listen to this in maybe two parts, maybe even three, who knows. But uh, I think without further ado, I think we better crack on, um, as, as we always do. Fine, so let's talk about our sponsors, AJF Plastering, led by Adam Francis, who was on the podcast for episode 198 two weeks ago. I thought Adam was spectacular, mm. and not only is he spectacular on podcasts, he also heads the Essex-based plastering and rendering company and they cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work. They specialise in silicone colour, render systems, and as you must know by now, if we're doing our jobs properly as sponsors, they offer 15% off for Leighton Orient fans and Leighton Orient staff. So if you'd like more information on the best plastering and rendering prices around, you can email ajfplastering at outlook.com or you can visit ajfplastering on Facebook or you can go on Twitter, uh, search for Big Ads LOFC on Twitter, and you can be in contact and get your 15% off. Absolutely. Uh, moving on then to the Supporters Club. Bookings can be made for the away trip to Oldham on Saturday, the 7th of December. Coaches are going to leave the Supporters Club at 8.30 for a 3 o'clock kickoff, and the cost of this is £36 for adults and 33 for concessions. The trip will cost you an additional £3. If you're not a member, under-15s can travel for half price, but they've got to be with an adult. And remember, these ticket, these prices do not include your match day tickets. So to book this, you can go into the Supporters Club on a match day, or you can call the travel line at 07722-135970. So good stuff there. Yeah. So late in Orient Trust updates. Thank you to Howard Gould and to Louise for sending this over. This is an update from the last fortnight. So first of all, a shout out to Game in Stratford who donated a copy of FIFA 20 to the hub at the Warsaw game, which was gratefully received by Jamie Turley on behalf of the club. Yeah, and thanks to Joby McEnough and James Alabi who were special surprise guests at the recent stadium tour. The next planned tour will be during the February half term with the date to be announced. Yeah, there are plans in place for the academy squad to visit Haven House Children's Hospice and the first team squad members to visit the children's wards at both Homerton and Whips Cross Hospitals in time for Christmas. So donations of new or very good condition toys and games would be gratefully accepted by the club and they'll take them along and offer them to the children. And if you would like to donate a gift for the cause, please drop these off at the club reception anytime up until December. I think that's a great initiative. Amazing. Great to see our, our club doing that. 100%. Um, it, it all fits in with the uh, family ethos uh, that, that we have. The Trust welcomes 60 children from local St. Joseph's Primary School to the stadium for an anti-bullying workshop. As part of Anti-Bullying Week, Josh Coulson joined the group for a Q&A session where the children had the opportunity to ask him his experience of bullying, bullying his childhood and his career as a footballer 
at Leighton Orient. Pretty sure Josh Corson never got bullied the size of him. No, I would absolutely agree <laughs> with you on that. And to finish off this trust update, Paul Fairclough, a trustee of the National League Trust, visited the training ground in the week to present a cheque and a trophy for best project with player involvement for the 2018-19 season. So another award Congratulations there. to the a Trust. well-deserved award for the Trust. Well done to Cracking. everyone involved. Great to see them flying the flag there. Yep, so any other business this week? Loft's annual general meeting takes place on Thursday the 21st of November at the Supporters Club. Doors are open for 7 for a 7.30 start. This year's now traditional Q&A will be an evening with legends, with three ex-Orient legends from the 70s, 80s and 90s due to attend. They look like Peter Kitchen, Stevie Castle and Adrian Whitbread. Great lineup there, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, tremendous lineup. So, formal notice of this has been emailed out to current members, and any O's fans can join uh, or rejoin Loft on the night and come along. Uh, you either pay cash on the door or online at www.latentorientfanstrust.com. Uh, the event will also be live streamed on a members only Facebook group set up specially for the AGM. So for further details, you can go online, www.LeightonOrientFansTrust.com. That's this Thursday at the Supporters Club. Absolutely. Um, thanks to Christian and Bertie Wheeler this week and to a Mr. and Mrs. Anonymous for their five-star reviews and very kind comments on iTunes. We always ask for feedback on iTunes and uh, these guys have very, very kindly done that. So if you haven't done that yet, after you've listened... Please give us a review. We'd really very much appreciate it. Yeah, so let's crack on into the fortnight that was. This will take about 10 minutes because barely nothing's happened yeah. in the last two weeks. So let's crack on. Coulson Monday, 4th of November. And the club announced its nominations for Player of the Month for October as Dan Happy, Matt Harold, Joe Widowson and Josh Wright. So at the time of seeing those four nominees, I thought Happy's probably going to sneak this one. But Harold might come in and steal it off him. Yeah, I think that obviously they're all worthy winner. I think obviously Josh for his goals and his performances, Joe for his consistency, and obviously his one in a hundred goal. Matt for his, you know, you know what he's done with his efforts and and the goals that he's gotten. Happy for his performances and obviously the goals that he's contributed. So, yeah, difficult one that I thought. Yeah, we'll come on to results very shortly. So to who a Tuesday, fifth of November, and the first of many birthdays in this podcast. Yeah, busy week that week. Turned out to be. Nine months prior to Valentine's Day. That's yeah. what it is, that yeah, Valentine's Night loving. Yeah, yeah, very true. It's a happy 21st birthday to our Spurs loanee, George Marsh. And Newport County announced that Justin Edinburgh will be inducted into the club's Hall of Fame at half-time in our league game with them on Sunday the 29th of December. And well played Newport on that. Yeah, I'm gutted that I can't go to that. I have Disney on ice at the O2 with my two little ones. Otherwise, I would have been all over there. as a sunshine bus going, so we'll plug the sunshine bus Always great fun. I think that'll be an emotional day. It'll be a hard game as well because Newport currently doing, right. doing very yeah, well. Things got them playing well. Yeah, really well. So later in the day, the club announced the winners of the Player of the Month award, and they were joint winners both time on thirty-one percent. So well done to Matt Harold and Josh Wright. Yeah, so well, well done, done Josh. Yeah. Shows you what I knew as I wrote down Dan Happy. Mm. But Josh Wright, like you said, scoring loads of goals. Harold. Had a great impact since coming into the first team, so you can't really argue with that too much. Yeah, happy 30th birthday to Josh Wright on Wednesday the 6th of November. Yeah, happy birthday Josh, and congratulations to Leighton Orient CEO Danny Macklin, who celebrated two years at the club. Time flies by Danny, good friend of the podcast, always good value when he comes on. Still went on that box of free donuts, Danny. Yes, 
Didn't see him yesterday, my friend. Yeah, yeah, that's two opportunities <laughs> missed. The main event of Tuesday, though, was Brighton. Uh, their under-23s came to us in the leasing.com trophy. The team lined up with Sargent in goal, Judd, Ekpeteta, Turley, OG, Kiprianu, Clay Dennis, Brophy, JMD and James Alabi were up top with substitutes of Janata, Woodison, Sweeney, Happy, Coulson, Dayton and the birthday boy, Josh Wright. So that meant the starting 11 saw a number of changes as Jamie Turley made his first appearance of the season following his injury in the FA Trophy final, as well as a senior debut for young Hector Kiprianu as Craig Clay was named as O's captain. So we'll cover this one very briefly as we always do. So as always, views on the team. Uh, pretty much odds on. I think yeah. that there would be a number of changes uh, in this starting lineup. Good to see Turley back, uh, and Judd, uh, and good to see obviously that that Judd's recovered from uh, his injury too. Be interesting to see how Kiprianu does uh, with his start. There's yeah. been a lot of good positive noise made about him. Uh, the players who are usually subs really need to shine tonight uh, for me, um, or in that game, and, and try to get. Um, in the side, really, for the FA Cup game coming up. I think that would probably put them in good contention, really. Yeah, good point. So we'll cover very briefly. So Brighton took the lead in this one in the 34th minute as Danny Cashman, great name, finished yeah. a neat move after good finish. And Brighton held on to their lead going into half-time. So it was one or half-time. Attendance announced at 709, which isn't bad for a leasing.com game, but not the anticipated... 2000, where are all these Ajax <laughs> fans that are apparently loitering about in London with nowhere to be. So that came to nothing in the end. Bit of a fuss over nothing. Uh, second half kicked off with no subs for the O's, but Louis Dennis had an effort cleared off the line in the 54th minute, and James Dayton replaced James Brophy, and Dan Happy replaced Jamie Turley just on the hour mark. Yeah, so just moments after these substitutions, JMD whipped in a brilliant cross from the right, straight on the head of Louis Dennis, who made no mistake, headed it into the back of the net and one all, all to play for. Yeah, the O's went pushing for a winner and in the 88th minute, JMD hit the bar with a curling effort and we continued to heat pressure on Brighton with numerous chances and in the fifth minute, James Alabi hit the post after Louis Dennis and JMD had had efforts cleared off the line. I thought the Alabi effort was actually really good. He's mm. turned their man and got his shot off, so fair play. A lot of criticism over James, but... I think, I mean, all right, they're under 23s, you'd argue that he should be playing better, but, you know, he could still play poorly. Yeah, good shout. So the match came to an end, and as we all know in the group, leasing.com games don't end in the draw, they have to go to penalty. So you get a point for the draw and then the point for winning penalties. Yeah. So JMD took the first one for O's, he scored, then Sam Sargent made a very good save from Cochrane to keep those ahead. Craig yeah. Claydon scored, Brighton scored, then Louis Dennis missed. Uh, Brighton had a chance to equal us but Sam Sargent saved his second penalty tonight Amazing. and then James Alabi scored and then the Brighton keeper stepped up and scored Button which meant Exorient. that all the pressure yeah, was on James Dayton to take the O's well give the O's the extra point he set it up scored his penalty to ensure a victory for the O's and for Cole Fletcher. Yeah, so that win in our final group game means we go second place in Group C, but Wimbledon could still qualify above us if they beat Southend in their final group game uh, the following week. So more on that later on in the show. Carl Fletcher spoke after the match. He sure did. So Carl Fletcher said, please for the lads, I think there were some really good performances. Hector obviously gets a special mention for his debut. He's done really well, very composed, very calm, and I'm really pleased for him. He's been training really well since coming in. 
so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't really say that. I just well, if we all knew that, we would all be millionaires. <laughs> Sam in goal. He goes on to say, Sam in goal as well. He's done great. Ross said to me before we started, Sam has got a penalty saving him. So I'm really pleased for him. I thought his all-round performance in the game was really good as well, uh, as he's been training well. And it was good to see him in a game situation. And for me, uh, well done to Cole and the team on this. Sounds like Dennis and JMD impose themselves in this game. But, you know, if, on reflection, you, you sh- they should be doing that. Yeah. Um, hopefully this give Carl and, gives Carl and the management team a selection headache or maybe not for Sunday I don't know yeah for me it was good to see some squad players get 90 minutes and doing themselves well Sam Sargent's penalty size were really good yeah, he's fantastic. very agile for, yeah. on penalties uh, that win you know, although we get to the young Brighton side I know it will do wonders for some of these players confidence and yeah. it gives Carl something to build on uh, and I must add after a shaky start Carl's post-match interview with Dave Victor was much better. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. well done, Carl. So, Small steps. Absolutely. Uh, Prediction League update for that one. It's well done to Bill underscore Johnson UK at Big Ads LOFC. Pills at Doman and at Goal 931 who predicted one all. So they got the three points. Yeah, super well done to I- uh, Lismore underscore Ian and Spenno 011 who correctly predicted one all and Louis Dennis to score the goal, which is really like impressive. And they get four points. There'll be a full prediction league table update at the end of this podcast. Yeah, so Thursday, 7th of November, although not involved with the club, but hopefully will be in a few years' time. Happy 11th birthday to listener and young O, Super Harry Hairbron. Super, super Harry, super, super Harry, super, super Harry, super Harry. Congratulations and happy <clears throat> 11th birthday to you, Harry. Mooney Friday then on the 8th of November was James Alarm. Hey, <laughs> it was his turn. It was his birthday. I hope he took some good cakes in. He turned 25. Alarby looks like a man who knows a good cake. What do you mean? I just, I just feel like he'd bring in a good quality I think cake. Be rubbish. Let us know if anyone from the club is listening. Let us know about James Alarby's cakes. Moving on in to the birthday that we all care about. Saturday 9th of November as the bearded legend... Turned 40. Happy birthday. Thank you. We had a great evening. We did. I'm sure you also had a great day on the weekend. I did, yeah. Best best weekend. And your present from your cousin, I think we have to mention on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Brick in the Wall. And, well, and the one that you got as well. The signed Orient shirt. Team shirt. Thank you very much indeed. Um, and, um, yeah, my cousin bought me a Brick in the Wall. Amazing. Because I, I suggested to um, family, I said, Look, don't bother with anything either. If you're going to bother, Orient gift vouchers. Because I thought, I assumed that the club shop you could buy gift vouchers for. Apparently you can't. Oh, you can't? Apparently not, no. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, I haven't looked into it properly, but my cousin said, no, you can't, I, couldn't, I couldn't buy them, so he's bought me a brick in the wall. Brilliant. Uh, which is great. Um, yeah, and yeah, I've just had a tremendous weekend. My, my wife has been, she doesn't listen to this, so I can say anything, but um, <laughs> it's fantastic. All my family, all my friends, um, well, most of them, and yeah, pretty much everybody, and it was just a tremendous weekend. Brilliant. A tremendous weekend. Shame... We'll come on to it in a minute, but showing the football couldn't match that and keep continue the positivity. Um, but there, there we go. We were out and the band, there was a band in the pub we were in and they played the super Joshy Coulson song that I sang oh. to you and sang to my wife and one of my other mates who thought it was genius. Um, so whoever made up that song, keep up the great work. So not only was it the Bearded Legends birthday, it's also uh, Joby McEnough's yeah, birthday. birthday, brother. It's a happy 38th birthday to Leighton Owen, coach, captain, Player. player coach doesn't look all over the place that guy does he no he's looked the same for about the last 15 years yeah, so happy birthday Joby McEnough so the youth team were in action uh, they were in action against Cambridge and they were away unfortunately they lost 3-1 there so unlucky 
to the young O's. So we move on to Sunday the 10th of November. Yeah, and the birthdays keep cracking up. Another two birthdays to mention now. It's a happy birthday to two friends of the show. Firstly, Russell Feldman, uh, who's a O's fan, yep. uh, a listener, I believe. Yep. And secondly, to the third outlooker, well done, happy birthday, assistant head coach. Well, at the time of run, it's assistant head coach, <laughs> Ross Embleton. So happy birthday, chaps, which leads us on in to the main event of Morden and Tiptree at home in the first round of the FA Cup. So here we go. The team was announced as Sam Sargent in goal with Joe Widdows and Dan Happy, Josh Coulson and Sam Ling at the back. In midfield, Craig Clay, Josh Wright, JMD uh, and up top, Louis Dennis, James Brophy and Matt Harold. That saw Dean, Brill, um, OG, Ekpeteta, Gorman, Marsh, Dayton and Alavi on the substitutes bench. Yeah, absolutely. So Sam kept his place in goal uh, from the Brighton game. Sam Ling came back from his injury and JMD and Louis Dennis were awarded for their midweek performances with places in the starting eleven. So when I first saw that line yeah. that was a stronger team than what I thought we'd put out. I right. thought that's a, you'd see that team for a league game and go, okay, that's a pretty much standard league two team. Yeah. So... For me, at the time, I put should have far too much for Morden and Tiptree. But as we know, football's a funny game. Yeah, I agree with you. And it should have been a game we should have won. You know, on paper. I know football's not played on paper. But you'd argue that, you know, irrespective of league results, they're four leagues below us, yeah. at least. I thought it was eight leagues, but it's about it's four leagues below us. So, there you go. Um, and so the f- first of... Uh, in the first of a huge amount of tweets in the next three hours of this day Dan Orton tweeted uh, saying pleased Fletcher not taking any chances and rightly so he can't big win needed no excuses yeah so the match kicked off on Remembrance Sunday with four divisions and 78 league places separating the two teams with a place in the second round of the FA Cup up for grabs on a cold and fairly windy November day. Yeah. We had a tweet coming after this from Stroud Greeno who said, two decent kits out there today. Will it be an El Clasico performance to the match because they play in the same colours as Barcelona? Yeah, they absolutely did. And we had the all-white a la Real Madrid. So again, we're going to cover this one quite loosely. The first 10 minutes saw us control the match. No real chances to talk about. As you'd expect, more than a tip tree came a bit more confident after surviving the initial storm. On the 21st minute, Danny Parrish, who looked like a good little player, went on an amazing run, hit a great effort from outside the box. It was definitely curling into the top corner. And Sam Sargent did very well to tip the ball over the bar and made a very, very good save. That was a great save, yeah. Really, really, good, really save. good save. Very agile. Yeah, he is. We're going to fast forward now to the 37th minute and patient and neat play on the left. Sees Joe Widdison get some space on the left-hand side of the box. His cross finds Josh Wright, whose first-time shot was straight at McNamara. Yeah, so much pace on the cross. Wright didn't have time to adjust his body, so as soon as it hit his leg, straight at the keeper. Yeah. And then in the 43rd minute, Maureen and Tiptree took the lead as they counted the O's. As Harris goes on a run unchallenged, pretty much, plays in Danny Parrish on the left. He cut inside uh, and unleashed a powerful shot underneath Sam Sargent as the visitors sensed an upset. And the O's looked bewildered. For me, where's the challenge from midfield? Like Harris just runs and runs. And midfield aren't anywhere near him. Defensive, looking at their attackers, don't want to challenge and leave the attackers free. And we go behind. Saw it coming, unfortunately. Um, at that point, great celebration from them. They deserved it. But just terrible from us. Yeah, I have no words to add to that. Okay. Because <laughs> it's just, I mean, it was a good goal for them and any any team scoring that kind of goal would be very pleased with that. But like you say, we, we just 
stand there watching the guy running at us. The guy's taking the mickey, he's doing step overs. This is like a guy 78 league places below us. <laughs> yeah. Like He's not even like an ex-league player that's fallen down the pyramid. He's just just lost for words, really. The half-time whistle went shortly after, with Orient trailing 1-0 and the prospect of being knocked out in the FA Cup at home, being that sort of big scalp. Absolutely. Didn't really want that. Um, was was very much on the cards. George Nicholas, <clears throat> excuse me, underscore one said, fair play to our visitors, they deserve respect, but we are awful. No tempo, 11 men behind the ball when we have to defend and one up uh, front at home to a non-league opposition. We've got no plan B and plan when plan A doesn't work, is it still early to be fed up? Bazaar, 73, said embarrassing. Looks like something isn't right. Who's to blame here, the head coach or the players? Conway underscore Nigel said half-time band showed more passion than the team. Fletcher out. Yeah, so obviously the band played at half-time remembrance. Bands well done Steve Fletcher and everyone who was involved in that. Not Steve Fletcher. He's not even called Steve Fletcher, is he? Steve Jenkins. I'll let you off though. Just got Fletcher on the mind. So the attendance was announced at 3,425 with 657 away fans. Decent crowd, isn't it? Amazing for a team. But like you said... This was their FA Cup final. This is the biggest game in their history. They've never been to the FA Cup first round. Thirty-six grand for them, plus it's, half the ticket costs and it, program costs. It's away, the biggest right? thing to happen for that club. Mm. Of course, they would take everyone for them. They're just happy to be there. It's and the fact they can sense, them. the fact they can sense an upset is music to their ears. So yeah. Let's see if the O's could um, swerve the upset. So the second half kicked off. No subs for the O's and no chances to talk about in the first fifteen minutes of the second half. And we made our first change on the hour mark as James Dayton came on for Louis Dennis. Yeah, we're going to fast forward five minutes to the 65th minute and the visitors made it 2-0. Jordan Slew picked up the ball from just outside his own half and ran into the Orient half unchallenged. Kept going and easily got past Craig Clay, got to the outside of the box and drilled a powerful shot past Sam Sargent to double more than Tiptree's lead as the fans behind the goal at the other end go wild and Parrish is booked in the celebrations. As good as that goal was, because it was a great goal, literally the bloke picks up just outside his own area and just runs, you have to say, as the team who can see that goal, where is the defending? Where is the challenge? Cray Clay, you have to do better than that. Has to do better than that. Should be ashamed of himself for doing that. Literally might not have, might as well not even be on the pitch if that's what you're going to do. Lynn gets done for pace. Um, but why haven't we seen this kind of attack from our players? Do you know what I mean? Players who are much more money, much more experienced. I haven't seen that from Brophy. In this Should game. be much fitter as well. Yeah, right? absolutely. That was very similar to Blair Turgot's goal against us last season. Exactly the same side. That was a three passes out and he's on his way, On right? his way, yeah, exactly the same. They Pick, countered us from inside. Picked it up, yeah, picked up just yeah. outside his box and just ran. Yeah. Really disappointing. Uh, but fair play to Jordan Slew. I mean, that goal was given officially goal of the round. Yeah. Like, from the yes. FA. Yeah. A great goal, but really disappointing to concede. And seeing that, you just go... Clay should be doing better. Coulson should be doing better. Rubbish defending. Yeah. I think pure and simple. So that meant 2-0. Uh, but we weren't two goals behind for long. As a long ball was well knocked down from Matt Harold into the path for James Brophy, who cleverly dinked the ball over the outrushing keeper and into the net to make it 2-1 with just 25 minutes to play. But so gave us a lifetime. Yeah, you absolutely. Have yeah. Clever finish there from Dayton. Very good, yep. 75 minutes on the clock then. James Alabi came on for Sam Ling and three minutes later, James Dayton picked up a knock and has to be replaced by Dal Gorman. I mean, what's the guy's luck? What's he got to do to be fit for a season? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 81st minute, good build-up play. Uh, sees that Josh Wright fed the ball, but McNamara 
made a good save as we had 10 minutes left to rescue our FA Cup campaign for the season. For 84 minutes, Danny Parrish goes down in the box and the referee gives him a second yellow card for simulation with the player insisting he had cramp as the visitors are reduced to 10 men. Conveniently, he had cramp inside the box and not before <laughs> he got in the box, isn't it? I did think it was a bit harsh, though. I, like when yeah, you but, when you see it in slow mo and he's on the ground like holding his leg. I mean, he might be trying to con the ref, but you know. But at that point, you're like, right, five minutes left. We're man up. Just launch everything out him and just try not to get out of the cup. Yeah. So six minutes of injury time awarded, and in the ninety third minute, a scramble in the boxes. The ball falls to James Alabi, but his effort was blocked. And in the ninety sixth minute, a knockdown from Matt Harold sees the ball fall to Danny Happy. And you could sense Happy was going to shoot. It was going to be the last chance of the game. But he didn't really connect that well with a shot. Easy save for McNamara to make in the Malden and Tiptree goal. Yeah, shortly after the full-time whistle goes, as Malden and Tiptree claim the most famous win of their history. And the upset of the round as the boos ring out around Brisbane Road. As the away fans invade the pitch to celebrate their giant killing to heap more misery on O's boss, Cole Fletcher, who said after the game... Yeah, he said, We know FA Cup games are always banana skins, but from our point of view, really disappointed. We had lots of possession, lots of chances. We didn't take them, and there's a lot to improve on. It's a process to go forward and keep improving and try and work on things, and we know it's not good enough. There's a lot to work on and lots of things we need to improve on. We know we need to win these games, and that's disappointing from our point of view. We're really disappointed with the level we put out today. And that's not something that we want going forward. So your views on this upset, Mr. Lee? Shock of a result. I mean, it's not going to surprise anybody to know uh, that I agree with pretty much most of the things that have been said on social media. It's an embarrassment, really. There's no positives to take from this. The players really should feel ashamed of this. I think a team with more heart, passion and desire than us you know, won that game. And, and were we even set up right? Uh, for this, I mean, there's not a lot you can do in terms of scouting, but if you go about your business and do it properly, you know, we shouldn't be embarrassed in this way. Are our players good enough, or is there something else going on that obviously this is written at the time? Is there something else going on that's affecting them? Remember, Ross got one draw and three wins with the same players, albeit with one or two injuries yeah. that are now not there, but by and large, 80% of that team is 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 what who Ross got that one one draw and three wins out of. I, I was actually quite livid about the result, um, but I didn't get that from the manager in his post-match interview. I didn't get that he was angry or annoyed in any way. It's just like, oh yeah, we lost that. I'm a bit gutted about that, but you know, we'll go again next week sort of thing. That's kind of the impression I got. He might have been. Yeah. He's just perhaps just not one of those that displays his emotions, particularly when he's annoyed. Yeah. Um, it just seemed like it was another bad result that was to be expected. And yeah, like I say, when we go again, it was a little bit unenthused by by the way he came across. But it's all immaterial now because what we're going to... Well, yeah. He got removed from his role. So, <laughs> your views? Again, I wrote this after the result yeah. just happened. I said, I'd love to say this was a surprise. <clears throat> but I have to say, after not taking the lead early on, I'm not getting the early goal, I saw yeah. the result come in. I don't have an issue with Cole's formations if he plays one up front. If that's the best formation that he thinks the team are, I don't have a problem with that. But the team have to have a game plan and they have to work for each other. And this was another game where we didn't see much of that like yeah. at all. Like you've mentioned, heart, <clears throat> desire, passion. Only one team had it in that game. And we have to ask why. And to the players as well, not just to the management team, not just to Cole. To those players as well, what were you doing on that football pitch? Mm. Craig Clay and Sam Ling, I was absolutely livid when I saw that second goal. Like we've already said, have to be stronger, have to be better, um, not good enough. A player four divisions below you outdoes you easily for pace and for strength. And again, credit to their man for scoring that goal, but that should never be happening. Fair play to Morden and the Tip Tree. Good luck to them in the next round. 
No problems with our fans celebrating on our pitch. We would have done exactly the same had we not got our Premier League team. Hadn't been able to get on the pitch. It was 78 Sheffield United. Um, and I finished by saying, to say Cole Fletcher is on a slippery slope, that would be an understatement. Massive. Absolutely. Massive. So we got a huge amount of feedback after this match. So thanks to everybody uh, for your views. I think my, my phone broke uh, with the amount that was coming in uh, to our social media accounts. And we'll try and read out as many as we can. Um, and obviously with a bit of balance in there as well. But just because we read them, it doesn't mean that we agree with them. Yeah, so we'll start with Sunshine LOFC, who said, Statistically, our worst ever result. I fancy you've made a mistake, Matt Porter, Kent Teague, and Nigel Travis, so to speak. El Cowardo said, I'm not normally one to make snap knee jerk decisions, but I'm sorry, Carl Fletcher is no manager. He's not overly impressed me thus far, but that result is absolutely disgusting. There is no excuse under the sun for us losing at home to that side. I'm sorry, but there isn't. Paul Biller won, started by saying, Fletcher out. I've had enough. He's had enough of a chance, in my opinion. He came into a winning team and managed to ruin all the momentum. Need a real manager, not the Bournemouth photocopy guy. <laughs> One Adam Conway said, monumental cock-up by the board on, in this appointment. We all said it, but were led to believe this guy was an exciting and up-and-coming manager with new ideas. Admit the failure and get someone with experience this time. We are not stupid. Stassi Stassi says, Maudin and Tiptree look fitter, faster, stronger and more threatening going forward. Good luck to them, but extremely embarrassing for us. Marcus Maynard said, this was a team that had no idea how they were going to, how they were trying to score. Uncertain, unconfident, but crucially, no idea how the manager wanted them to make chances and put the ball in the net. Fletcher's another Steve Davis. Wants to play pretty football, but no end product at all. A DVD NTDG. So Fletcher's body language doesn't portray that of a winner. He may come from a Premier League club, but League 2 is more about aggression and battling for points. I didn't like the appointment, and our confidence is crumbling. John W. Triple Nine said, Terrible result, terrible performance. It's not looking good, but I will trust those running the club to make whatever decisions they feel are right. There needs to be a major upswing in performance and results. Fletcher clearly lost the fans already, so hard to come back. Chris Kane underscore 1992 says, Morning and Tiptree had a game plan and they stuck to it. Credit to them. However, that can't excuse the performance. Uninspiring manager clapping his hands every so often, but no voice. Got to forget that quick and wrap the fight next weekend. Otherwise, people will turn if they haven't yet. Barry Twin said, The most embarrassing result in our club's history. Men's football is totally different from under-23s and Fletcher is well out of his depth. Time to cut our losses and make a change. The thing I notice with these tweets is these are all fans who are normally very, very positive. And you have fans like Barry Twin and Chris Kane saying Fletcher isn't probably the man at this point already and like we mentioned with Kevin Cowan two weeks ago when you get fans who are always this positive starting to question already it tells you something yeah, isn't true. right Rob MCC68 says this won't be popular but specifically what could Cole Fletcher have done differently he named a strong team he made minimal changes he changed the keeper as per what Twitter wanted less than half our shots were on target so the players need to look at themselves so I'm coming from a different angle there that's a fair point, but if the players are not aware of what the actual game management plan is, then it kind of puts them in a bit of a, should I be there tracking that guy or does he want me up there doing that for that job because he's going to cut. And then it's like you don't have that much time to think about it in, yeah, of the, course. in, in, in game. But he makes a fair point. Tobias Lamptey went on to say, I'm never one to call for a manager's head, but I haven't seen anything to make me feel our fortunes will change anytime soon. 
disappointing result and the players must take responsibility. So a couple of people coming at it from a player player's perspective, which is fair because yeah. everybody wins together and loses together. Yeah, I agree. Big ads and LFC. So our sponsor said, just listen to Fletcher's interview and another uninspiring one. We need to improve on lots. He said, we were fine before you got your Fletch and Sarge didn't have a great deal to do. Well, he picked the ball out of the net twice, you clueless idiots. The authentic Gaz said, embarrassed and very angry. The two things I'm feeling after getting back from the game today, something seems seriously wrong. Ed Jones, 1976. Whether you blame the manager, the players or the board, today was simply not good enough. If that's what comes from a week's preparation for a match, we are bang in trouble. Morden and Tipsy wanted it more than us. And that tells me everything I need to know about the team at the moment. Janine Adelman said, in Fletcher's defence, it must be very hard to scout a team in the eighth tier who'd have thought that they would have a game plan, come to play football, pass the ball forward, have passion, create chances, take them and try to put the ball in the net. Well done, Morden and Tiptree. Yeah, Stuart, 1973. says, things not going to plan and not working for the manager and some players not covering themselves in glory either. However, family and health are more important. Be a lover. Not a fighter. Joffernan said, after the Grimsby game, any sensible manager would think, great, don't need to make too many changes here. Good point number one. Just work on the defensive lapses and we're laughing. Good point number two. (laughs) To play lone strikers against the bottom club and a part-time team four leagues below is perplexing. It's an embarrassing result. It's a really good point there, actually. Yeah, really good. You've come off the back of an unbeaten four games, one draw and three wins. You don't really need to come in mid-season and start imposing significant changes. You speak to Ross, what have you been doing? Let's carry on and let's tweak very minor things to make these... It's almost like the job is 90% done for you. Just to carry on, yeah. Just carry it on. You get to January. If you want to make changes, depending on where you're at, it's only a month and a half, two months he had, and you're in January. And then see where you're at then. Injuries, suspensions, players that you don't think that you're going to take forwards. Yeah. It's a really valid point. That's why I'm hanging on it for so long, because <laughs> it's right. It is absolutely spot on. It is, and lots more to come on that, as you will probably be waiting yeah. for. Mark Seutcher says, based on Fletcher's interviews, I don't see us improving. He doesn't seem to get the severity of us losing. Today was a lot worse than disappointing. Good point. Again, either he's not bothered about the results, or he doesn't see the results as problematic, and I'm not sure what's worse. And final word this week goes to former Orient number 7, Dean underscore 7 Cox, who said, shocked, annoyed, upset for the fans. Poor Poor result. And well done, Dean, for scoring a header yesterday for Eastbourne Borough. Leapt like a salmon, I believe. No, I don't believe he did. I think he's only done that once. I love the fact that Dean Cox still engages with us on Twitter. He still listens to the podcast on Twitter. So, good morning, Dean. Um, and yeah, Incredible. Yeah, incredible. So, I love that. So, Prediction League update then. Kid Sampson O and David Sears for you pessimists, but you saw it coming. So well done to you for taking the three points. And like Paul said, there will be a full prediction league roundup later in the pod. Also in FA Cup action were National League side Dover. Now we obviously wouldn't normally cover Dover, but they knocked out League One side South End, so that's a bit of a win as well. But we're only mentioning it because it was a very, very, very good goal from Orient Loney, Ruel Satoriu. So well done to Ruel for scoring that goal and sending Dover through to the next round of the FA Cup and knocking out South End. It's a bit of a win-win for us. Yeah, absolutely. So we didn't pod last Sunday, which is why we've covered that week. Had we done, we probably would have gone to a lot more in depth about the Morden and Tipsy yeah. game. And we would have had Nigel Travis coming on the podcast. He offered to come on, like we've said on Twitter, but we weren't recording that night. So again, all we can do is commend Nigel Travis for willing to come on 
that evening. He we didn't ask, he offered, which is just shows you the the, the quality of the ownership that we've got at the club. I was flabbergasted by yeah, that. If I I'm honest, the full time whistle went, and we're very so lucky impressed. to have Nigel's mobile details. And about five minutes after the full time whistle went, he messaged both of us and said, "Can I come on your podcast tonight? Where else would that happen?" And obviously, we'll speak a lot more about Nigel Travis. Uh, well, Nigel will do the speaking for us in in, a in due course. On, so yeah. let's move on. In Monday, the eleventh of November, a quiet day at the club, with the only announcement being that the upcoming Scunthorpe game will be made all ticket due to it being a football for a fiver match. Yeah, Tuesday, the twelfth of November. Then the club passed on the sad news that ex-Orient player Dennis Sorrell had passed away after a long illness. Dennis. Uh, had played for the O's in the late 50s and 60s and we send our condolences to his family and friends. Yeah, absolutely. So in the evening, in the O's made the short trip across London to Hendon as we were in action in the second round of the London Senior Cup as Danny Webb took charge of the team for this match. So he named a team of Janata, Marfo, Sweeney, Judd, Turley, Ogie, Sivi, Papadopoulos, Hammond, Lovat and Ifiani. Yeah, if he and you, yep. Campbell, Francois, Vanau, Adeyemi, Dunbar, Bonnie and Sanders were on the substitutes bench. And we're going to cut to the chase on this. Hendon <laughs> won the game 1-0 thanks to a 32nd minute goal from Connor Calcutta who cut, <laughs> see what he did there, cut inside the box and shot past Janata, which was enough to help to see Hendon through into the next round and eliminate Orient from yet another cup competition so unlucky to the young O's there's no shame in that that's a young O's against men because Hendon are not a junior side so fair play it'll be a learning experience for them um, yeah we move on yeah so let's move on to Wednesday the 13th of November and young O Hector Kipriani played 90 minutes for Cyprus's under 19s as they lost 2-1 to Slovakia in the UEFA European Championship qualifier so unlucky to Hector but again Great experience for another O's youngster. That must be great playing in, in those games and that yeah. can only do Hector good. So well done there to Hector. Yep, absolutely. Ladies team were back in league action. They were away to Kent Football United and won the game 3-2 thanks to goals from Stenning, Trezzy and Ali. So well done to the ladies. Yeah, great result there for yeah. the ladies. And in the evening it was the final group game in Group C of the Leasing.com Trophy and Southend beat Wimbledon 3-1 meaning that the O's kept their place in second in the group therefore qualifying for the knockout stages with the draw being made uh, later in the week. And we'll cover that a bit shortly on in the podcast as we move on in to Thursday, the 14th of November. Ah, yes, big day, D-Day. Uh, it was a quiet morning, but early in the afternoon, rumours started to circulate, strong rumours actually, that Carl Fletcher had been relieved or was being relieved of his managerial duties. And this was confirmed by the club at 315 the club put out the following statement. So they said, Leighton Orient has today parted company with head coach Carl Fletcher. With immediate effect, Chairman Nigel Travis said, it's unfortunate that we have parted company with Carl after such a short time, particularly as we are a club that tries to preserve stability. However, we felt this was in the best interest of all parties and we thank him for his hard work and wish him every success in the future. And the statement finished by saying, Ross Embleton, Danny Webb and Joby McEnough will take control of first team affairs in the meantime as they did for an interim period at the beginning of the season. So, Mr Levy, let's have it in your thoughts on the dismissal of Carl Fletcher. Yeah, I mean, obviously, look, it's never a nice thing to have to sack someone. Um, it's not a nice part of anybody's job. And, and at the end of the day, a man has lost his has lost his income uh, over it. He's got a young family as well, and, and that's, that's an unpleasant thing. Um, but obviously, it comes as no surprise. I'm not shocked by this at all. It just wasn't working, was it? 
Um, I, at the time, I also felt a sense of relief that this decision was made quite quickly rather than let it go on uh, for much longer. Um, so, yeah, I think well done to the board for making this impactful decision, admitting that they've got it wrong. Hands up, all board members that were involved came out and said, look, you know, we got this one wrong. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fans got straight onto their keyboards, logged onto their social media accounts and spilled their hatred for some of the board members, particularly, I think, Martin Ling and, and Matt Porter. And I have to say, I, I don't get some irrational dis- some people's irrational dislike and actually borderline hatred for Martin Ling. I, do, I don't understand it. He's a good guy. He's an orient man. He's, he's taken us up as a manager. He's played for us yeah. as a player. Um He's doing a job that's had more challenges than we truly know about. I mean, you can talk about it, but there's some things that you can't talk about. So we'll never truly know how hard that job's actually been. And this isn't me just kissing up and and, uh, and playing up to to the board. This is is my genuine opinion. I genuinely, I get private messages on my WhatsApp from friends, from Orient friends of mine who are just like, oh, Ling this, Ling that, Ling the other. I don't understand. And I've said to them, like, I'm not interested in hearing it anymore. <laughs> uh, I've, I've said it like it's got to stop now because it's ridiculous. It's irrational. Yeah. Uh, the way that you think like that. Um, so, is Martin going to get every decision right? No. Is Steve Foster going to scout every the next Lionel Messi? No, he's not. Are we going to sign every player that's going to be amazing that we're going to sell on like Macaulay Bond for half a million quid? No, we're not going to do that. Are the board going to make every decision right? No. Because they're human beings and no one's going to do that. No club gets every decision yeah. they make right. Be it appointing a manager, signing a player, paying a wage, agreeing to a new contract with a vendor, whatever it may be. Um, but straight away, those that were involved in this appointment came out and said, we got it wrong. We're sorry, we got it wrong, but we've acted to re- to rectify yeah. this, this mistake. We're sorry for that. Um so for me, in, in summary, really, uh, without harping on about it too much, I think credit to the board. They've been big enough to admit they made the mistake, taken steps to correct it. It's done now. We can't change it. He's been in. He's rocked the boat a bit. We've stabled the boat by getting rid of him. And for me, there's no point dwelling on this anymore. We've got to move forward. We've got to look forward positively. Ross is back in charge with Danny and Joby. Hopefully the players will buy into what they're about. Um, and, and hopefully their jobs will be made a bit simpler because at times they look like headless chickens. And I picked it, I can't remember where I picked this up from somewhere, but Carl Davis was sacked, sorry, Carl Fletcher was sacked on the 14th of November 2019. And two years to the day prior to that, Steve Davis was sacked on the 14th of November. So great find. Uh, I can't remember where I saw that, but yeah, I mean, talk about the 14th of November being like D Day. Remember, remember the 14th of November because yeah. you might get a P45. <laughs> So those are my sort of quite staunch and stoic views. What what do you think about this? I was surprised actually. I thought had we sacked him, he would have gone on the on the Monday morning after after Monday. After the morning, yeah. Uh, obviously, we knew Nigel. Again, we're lucky to know when Nigel's coming down, so we knew he was coming on Thursday. I thought he'd be given the Scunthorpe game, and if that didn't work out right, I thought he might get the boot after the Scunthorpe game, but. I can't complain about the decision. Something wasn't quite right, and that hasn't come out. And I don't think that will come out. And Sometimes I don't think we'll ever to. know. I think we'll ever know what truly happened behind closed doors. I think there's lots of rumours going around, um, but it went very wrong, very quickly. Yes. And we know the team are capable of beating uh, teams like Morden and Tiptree and Morecambe and Carlisle, and for some reason under Cole. They didn't, yeah, and didn't um, play well either. It's not like we were playing well, like under Ross. I think Carlisle, the first twenty 
the first 25 half, minutes were, yeah. were really good. I thought they were really good and it was exciting, but we couldn't maintain that performance over 90 minutes. And at the end of the day, we yeah. were probably lucky to get a point. And also, just to game. add to that, you think, you know, where we'd played well under Ross, we'd played well and not got the result. You could at least see some positives. But under Cole, like you say, we weren't playing well and there weren't positives to take from the performances particularly. No, and he didn't, again, his manner on the touchline didn't come across as very engaged. He didn't really seem to communicate with any of his coaching staff. He didn't come across well in his post-match interviews. And these days, a full manager has to do lots of different pieces. Mm. And it's no good being just a good coach on the training ground, which we hear Carl Fletcher is a very good coach on the training ground. But you have to be... More than that, you have to be a man manager. You have to be good in interviews. You have to be good talking to fans. You have to be a bit of everything. And Carl Fletcher seems to be very good on the training ground. I presume amazing in interviews. Because to get a job past Nigel Travis, past Matt Porter, past Kent Teague, past Martin Ling, these men aren't stupid. These are like businessmen who are very successful in what they do and do all their due diligence. So he must have shown something in the interview scheme. It wasn't like he would have rocked up and given a speech like he'd done in the post-match interviews to these guys to get the job. Mm. Um, so do you think it's worth doing, what do they do, like psychometric tests to find out what sort of character you are? Do you think that's probably missing Well, we, well I, asked, I asked Nigel whether they would change the approach in the way they appoint a manager. Would they change the skills that they were looking for? And obviously, we'll come on to that. And I'll let Nigel kind of answer explain that. Okay. that question. But it seemed like Carl never got on the fan side. I would have loved to have got him on the podcast when he was manager here to try and bring out that kind of personality side. I think that would have worked wonders for him. Uh, but it didn't seem like he got the backing of the fans ever. It didn't seem like most of the players wanted to play for him. I can't say about the staff because obviously we don't work at the football club. But I also at the same time think that the players do need to look at themselves and there's a few tweets alluding to that after the Malden and Tiptree games because you might not like the manager or like what he's telling you to do but at the end of the day it's your job. he's your boss. Yeah. And if you're happy to go and get beat by a team four divisions below you rather than play for your manager, then you ain't a footballer. Do you know what I mean? That's that's not on. Um, but there were some fans as well, I think, who really let themselves down on Massively. social media. Massively. Some of the stuff we were getting some of the stuff we were getting, like getting pictures of Carl with the orange flag and people writing a certain word on the on the scarf and thinking it was funny. That's not funny. That's like a man just doing his job. You know, and I told the people who sent me those photos the same thing, saying that ain't funny. You know, he's not a very good football manager at the moment, but I didn't really agree with some of the stuff I was seeing. Mm. And I think by saying a big period coming up now for Ross and the coaching staff and a big decision for the board to make. And I finished by saying, go and get Nathan Jones or Paul, Dis- Paul Tisdale if they are interested and if that is viable. That's a good question then. So who would you have now then, other than... Right, so you've named two there. Um, there's a, there's obviously a few names out there. I mean, the sack race um, named Kevin Nolan, I think. Um, I think uh, there was a couple of others as well on there. I can't remember for the life of me who it was. But but who, who do you go for then? It depends. Who, who I mean, else? it depends whether Nigel and the board have got anyone who they saw in the first round who didn't meet the qualities and whether they want to go back looking for different qualities. I think it's been more speculated about certain managers who we interviewed and now are in other jobs who aren't available anymore. But it would all, I'm sure Nigel, the board aren't stupid and they might be saying, oh, well, we're happy for us to take it. They'll definitely have a plan of action of what they're looking to do. For me, I think Paul Tisdale fits the mould. He was managing in League Two last year. He got a team out of this league 
would he relocate to London? I've got no idea because well, I don't know managing MK I don't know enough about Portis now. Would he come and work uh, under a director of football and with staff already at a club? That's a good point. I've got no idea. I don't know enough about Portis now. But for me, had he been available when Cole was appointed, I would have been. I would have wanted Portis down in. And the fact that he's available now, for me, I think he'd fit in quite well at Leighton Orient. Whether we can get him or not. As a man to know, because it was the cultural fit, not the skill set. Yeah, of course course it was. So I don't know whether he's kind of like been the big cheese at Exeter for so long that he wants to go into a smaller club where he can be the main guy. I'd argue that Leighton Orient are a bigger club than Exeter. Yes. Not not, not an MK Dons, but I'd argue we were a bigger club than Exeter. So therefore, would he then fit into our culture? No, because he's kind of like the small club do what you want to do you've been successful at a small club and therefore you take that small club make them bigger yeah no idea do you know what I mean yeah but it's Um, a question I'm sure we'll be asking on our social media channels this week because we didn't actually ask that we didn't mean to ask that but let us know who you want to come in at Orient Outlook on Twitter or at Orient Outlook at Outlook.com so as you'd expect and as all my workmates could see on Thursday when stuff like this happens during the working day our phones kind of almost break down. My phone yeah. was stalling at points because there was so much um, engagement coming in, which yeah, is great I, for us. I got lost on retweeting, so I'm sure some <laughs> stuff didn't get retweeted. But Andy Smith, 060977, said, uh, right decision taken at the right time was only going to get worse. Paul Stane is 86. As he was going to get scrutinised heavily, no matter if he was Alex Ferguson or Carl Fletcher, but it just seems he made everyone lose their ray straight from the start. Yeah, I've never seen us go from zero to toxic in as quick a time as we have with this. Steve Davis got time. All right, he only got till mid-November, but he's had August, September, October, and then mid-November. So it's like three and a half months he's had. We've gone from zero to toxic like that. And that's because people were underwhelmed with the appointment in the first place. So that's minus one. He's already a step behind. And then his interviews and then the results, it just puts him further and further back. And it goes from being like, oh, he's a bit rubbish to proper toxic. It's, do you know what? He nasty was, comments. Plymouth Argyle, Plymouth he was unlucky because... They were in terrible Because times. we got... Well, no, but, no, but we go behind to a goal that should never have been given. The handball goal. Yeah, true. In his first game. Yeah. Say we see out of that half at nil-nil and we go and sneak a one at Plymouth Argyle. He would have got the fans on side straight like that. But because we lost that goal and then we decapitated, his first game was a 4-0 defeat. Coming off the back of a 4-0 win, you're already fighting the challenge, yeah. aren't you, with that? Yeah. Second game against Carlisle, a great first half. I think we all agree. Unlucky to go in only 1-0. Again, if we go in at 2-0, we'd probably go and win the game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But we only go and score the one. We didn't concede a poor goal. I think Morecambe's probably Carl's own undoing. I didn't think the selection was right against Morecambe. We seemed to let them have lots of the ball. Didn't have any chances until we went behind. So you can argue that was probably down to Carl. And Morden and Tiptree, by that point, you could argue he's probably lost the fans. He's probably lost the players already. And at that point, he has to go. Mm. But things could have been slightly different. It's mm. Football is a game of fine margins, yeah, like, very like, so. like we know. Reedy QB9 said, The first permanent appointment after Justin was always going to be a really tough one to make. The board took a huge risk appointing someone with such little managerial experience and have to take some of the responsibility for this. And obviously you, um, you'd you have seen, uh, Tom, by now that they've taken all responsibility for it. it. And even Nigel Travis said in an interview, I think it was on Talk Sport, he said, it's not Cole's fault, it's our fault. 
So. Yeah, I mean, and also, I think we have to say that it's that is a tough job for anyone to walk into. You're coming in to a club who's still dealing with a tragedy, and you're going to be the first manager since the manager who led them to a title, who was regarded as one of Orient's best ever managers in Justin, and whose imagery and team of staff and whose team of players are all still there, and you're walking in as the new guy, and you must look round and everyone's still quite rightly talking about Justin referencing Justin you see his images everywhere that's a lot to live up to for any man let alone a 39 year old inexperienced manager yeah Um, Yeah. Wheeler Dennis says he had to go if the rumours were true about falling out of backroom staff and some players and his popularity with the fans was almost zero all this in just 29 days Masters underscore James D said the right decision it looks brutal after such a short amount of time, but you could tell that something didn't add up That through the nature of the performances. More will come out in due course, but important to respond quickly at the weekend and put it behind us. Wish Carl well. Spot on. Yeah, Spot really on good that. tweet there. Leighton Oyeboy says, questions need to be asked around the recruitment process. However, board have acted swiftly to rectify a mistake and fans will have trust in Teague and Travis and ensure they will get the next appointment right and look to push on next season. Yeah, Ingoland 2010 said the players were clearly not interested in playing for him if Saturday's performance was anything to go by. I genuinely thought it was a good appointment at first, but the guy was clearly out of his depth. I agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. It looked clearly out yeah. of his depth. Steve LFC says probably try to bring a premiership philosophy to a League 2 team just isn't going to work. Don't like to see this stuff happening as he's a human being after all, but correct decision. Like you said, you don't have to change too much. He might have come in, and like you said, that Carlisle first half, that was passing on the floor, high-pressing game, high-intensity, and as good as that was, did he need to do too much change in too small a time? And if you're telling a Premier League team to go from one style to another, you could probably get away with that because they're better footballers, they're fitter, they understand tactics better. That's why they play in the Premiership. If you send a league two players out, I don't think it's going to be just a swift turnaround. That's yeah. what he may have been used to. You're right. Yeah. Graham G, 14843952, said, I feel sorry for Cole, but I cringed at early statements. Brave decision by the club, admitting so early that despite great interviews, Fletcher was not the right fit after all. One thing's for sure, it will galvanise the LOFC support on Saturday. The place will be rocking. Amos Orient says, can I actually breathe again? I felt complete suffocation with zero direction in the last month with Carl Fletcher. The group, I believe, is good enough to complete at this level. So Kent, Nigel and Matt, thanks for your swift decision. Alpha2 underscore O underscore Mega said, I was OK about Fletcher's appointment in principle, but his manner, demeanour, body language, way of speaking, touchline behaviour and negative tactics also made me feel very uncomfortable about him being our manager. Great tweet. Great tweet. Lennon Force. It did not help himself. One bit of his persistence of his tactics, despite the players clearly struggling to adapt. Seems a decent bloke, but he's a coach, and that's clear as day. Be lucky to get another manager's job again. Wouldn't it surprise me, though, if he ends up going coaching again and takes the team up somewhere? You can just see it, can't you? Yeah. Like, goes to, like, a National League club and ends up winning the Football League in two years, pushing for League One. Overtaking us, no doubt. Um, <laughs> Steve Grove 3 said, so we, normally, we, normally, we are normally a tolerant crowd at the O's, but we know a car crash when we see it. I sit in the West Stand near our dugout, and it was obvious, from, from, it was obvious there was friction between Carl and the staff. At MD Salentano says there was clearly a big difference between how he interviewed and how he was in charge. So he had to go sooner or later. That said, some of the abuse he got didn't show our club in a great light. Spot on. 
It's what we've said already. Yeah. Spot on. Some of our so-called fans, as you said earlier, should really hang their heads in yeah, shame. We, we are better than that. I absolutely agree. We are better than that. Dave K. Smith, Triple Seven, said recruitment must be very wrong. Whatever qualifications you have, it must include man management. I've been very critical, but feel for Fletcher as a person. Directors need a serious look at themselves and their process as it happened before with Davies. Very different circumstances that Steve Davies got yeah, that course. job, though. So probably not necessarily... A direct, you're not comparing green apples and green apples there. Yeah, be a good shout. Final word in on Carl Fletcher from Bendy Bollard. She says it leaves a bad taste, terrible appointment, but would have given him time. Fans quick to have a pop, but the issue remains that this squad aren't good enough. No Bon, Karoma, or Joby this season. The rest of players who are okay in the conference, but this is the football league. And a great tweet there. Like we, mm. there's a few more that come in after the Scunthorpe game about. Okay, you've got rid of Bon. Got you 25 goals. Got rid of Karoma. Who got, 10, got you 15, double, but was an yeah. exciting player who probably got quite a lot of assists at the same time. You're losing your two most creative players. Joby, what a man to have on the pitch. Captain last season. Bought a level of calmness. Really calmed things down. Great experience. You lost those three players. That's a big three players to lose. Mm-hmm. In a high, a high league as well. Yeah, and you've not replaced them yeah. like for like either. So, And the two that we have brought in to replace are injured and suspended. So, yeah. Or no, injured, sorry. So, yeah, very difficult. So, thank you to everybody who sent in their views and thoughts. Sorry we've not had an opportunity to read every single one. I think we'd be here until next year uh, <laughs> discussing that. Um, but I think you kind of get the gist of where people were. Uh, and what the general uh, overall viewpoint of Leighton Orient fans are, are on Carl Fletcher's sacking and our views, I think, are very clear uh, on that as well. So we're going to move on now to Friday the 15th of November. Thankfully, it was a quiet day at the club. No news to report. <laughs> My battery couldn't take another big announcement. Yeah, absolutely. Saturday the 16th of November, then the draw for the knockout stage of the Leasing.com trophy was made and the O's were drawn away to Bristol Rovers with the date of the tyre to be confirmed. Again, another slap. On a cold Tuesday why, night why, why? in December. I think it'll be interesting, like I said on the uh, Added Time show now, because it's our only route of going to Wembley, do you, whoever's in charge, give it a bit more priority now? So you may have gone, we'll just play the kids or play a squad team, but because we're probably not going to get in the playoffs, because we're out of the FA Cup, mm. do you look at it now and go, we're going to actually take this a bit more seriously because we will actually like to get to Wembley via this trophy? be interesting to see what team Ross or whoever's in charge when we play this game puts out. Yeah. Because it's hard. Bristol Rovers... Not going to be easy. Bristol Rovers are a hard <laughs> team to play against. League above. And again, I don't think they're setting the world on fire. So it might be their only route to ha- have some enjoyment this season. Yeah. Potentially. But yeah. the Bristol Rovers are no pushover either. Yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. And we don't always do well. We don't. We rarely do well at Bristol Rovers. I remember going well. with you in the... We just about made it, we? FA Cup fifth round. We lost 4-0 anyway. We've been, do, is that when we turned up late? Kick off had it already kicked no, off. No, I don't think got so. caught in a traffic jam. Can't remember. We definitely went to an FA Cup match and got turned over four 0 mm. They had a left winger who completely done us twice. Right, yeah. Okay. We'll move on then to the main <laughs> event of Saturday, which was Scunthorpe at home in League Two action. Before the game, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this game, and after two hundred and seventeen votes in twenty four hours. We voted as 9% for Orient to lose and 12% for the draw, which meant a whopping 79% thought we'd get a win. I think a lot of people just saw Ross Embleton taking back over and thought that they would come back yeah. and that we would... But that is a very... And the fact they've not won away since January. That's apparently. a very high swing towards an Orient win. 
very high swing yes. from what we've seen in recent Significantly weeks. Significantly high. Yeah. So as always, yeah. thank you for all of your votes. So prior to this match, board members Nigel Travis, Richard Emmett, Martin Link and Danny Macklin held a Q&A with supporters, which we have to commend them for on their willingness to engage and communicate with the fan base. I think it was about roughly from about 12.30 to 1.30. So a good hour. Yeah. Didn't have to do it. No obligations to do it. Just announced they were going to do it, I think, on the Thursday, following the news of the sacking of Carl Fletcher. I think um, it was on the Friday, actually. But ama- amazing. Like, like, yeah. Like, you don't get this level of engagement at any other club. What club sacks their manager, admits they've made a mistake, and it's not the manager's fault, it's their fault, and then, prior to a home game, sits in front of an audience for half an hour taking unfiltered questions? Yeah. Absolutely. Just, just as a generic Q and A, who who does who's done that in the past? I don't know any club that's done it. Amazing, um, it's incredible. Um, so well done. They're front and center. You know they're not hiding away Absolutely. like some people would. So fair play. After that, Nigel goes to the club shop, meets loads of fans. So we met our friend Christine who sits in the south and She said to me, "Oh, I met Nigel Travers when I was asking this and that." So they do that, and then they're all around. And that's one of the great things I think about this board as it stands. They're always approachable. Oh. And again, admit their mistakes. I think Nigel Travis on Talksport says he was embarrassed, and I won't spoil the interview coming up. But has a similar views yeah. on, on Carl. I thought Jim Jim White was a bit aggressive. Actually, I thought it was a bit of an ass towards Nigel. To I, th- I think that's just his style. I think that's. His I think style he's trying. To, I think he's trying too hard to be like a Paxman type, like a, 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 a an antagonistic. Like, come on, why you made a mistake? Like, admit it. Yeah, Jim, I just did. <laughs> That's the kind of guy, it's like, this is embarrassing for you, isn't it? Like, yeah, Jim, I said it was embarrassing before, which is right, you did. Yeah, of course. So, anyway, moving on then. Um, the team lined up with Dean Brewer in goal. We had a 4-4-2 this week. Lynn Coulson, Ekpateta and Happy at left back. J&D, Clay, Wright and Brophy across the middle and Dennis and Harold were up top. Yeah, on the bench, Sam Sargent, uh, Ogie, Turley, Gorman Marsh. Lee Angle and Allaby. So Dan Happy, as Paul said, started this one at left back in place of Joe Woodowson, who missed out with a knock. Lee Angle returns from his injury, so was named on the bench. But James Dayton, who picked up that injury in the Morden and Tiptree game, and Connor Wilkinson, who came on and then came off against Morecambe, still ruled out with their injuries. For me, I like it. Probably the best lineup we have due to the injury paper. list. Yeah. Obviously, with those players out, good to see Lee Angle back on the bench. It's a 4 4 2. There's two wingers in that team. You've got Brophy on the left, JMD on the right. So win the ball in the middle, get the balls out to the wing, get the crosses into Matt Harold, and see if Harold can score with his head or knock it down to Dennis. Yeah. Done. Easy. For me, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think on paper, this team now needs to step up, step up there, step up, sorry, and put in a real performance. There's no more Fletcher. There's no real excuses here. We need a result. And pleasantly surprised to see Leango back. Yeah. Uh, on paper, though, Fair play to Scunthorpe. They've got a, a good side. I don't understand why they're below us. I don't know what their results have been like. You know, Obviously, doing this, I probably should have thoroughly researched it. But <laughs> they've got experienced names in their side. And they've got, got a good up. manager now. They've got Paul Hurst, yeah. who was the guy who got sacked from Ipswich, but done very well at Shrewsbury. Yeah. Um, so better manager than what I thought. And they are massively underachieving. They, they should be playoffs, easily playoffs. Yeah. They got relegated last season. Yeah. I think they'll end up around about the playoffs. Probably. Although they've had a terrible start to the season, there's no doubt they will come strong over Christmas. And this might be 
the start of their the launch the manifest. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, absolutely. You know, so it was never a given. Yeah, I agree. So Dear Stu tweeted us when the team was announced saying good attacking intent, which is good. However, I would have put Marsh in for Clay as I think Clay's been poor recently. Great to see Angol back on the bench. Lou Bear 84 said, I think a lot of players need to prove themselves today. Big performance needed by the whole team. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like you said, Oli Sonnenfeld says, Great to say Angle is on the bench. We've really missed him. Probably would have put Ogie at left-back. I mean, that's a great point. If Again, I've yeah. said this before. If Ogie is good enough for the bench, he's got to be good enough for the first team. And he's your left-back. And as good as Dan Happy is... Who would you rather have at left back? So who do you take out of the two centre backs then, or do you put Happy on the bench? Well, it depends on your first choice centre back pairing is, isn't it? If you're putting Happy at left back just to integrate him in the team, then you're not making the right choice. Right. So you'd have Ogie at left back. Would you then have Happy as left centre back and either Marv or Coulson at right centre back? I've said it before. I would, if you're thinking about the future, you go Happy Marv. Right, and then Ogie at left back. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so very and you have Coulson on the bench. You have Coulson on the bench, and then if it doesn't work out, you bring Coulson on. Yeah. I think, but it's easy for me to sit here in hindsight and say all this. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So the match kicked off on a cold, horrible November day. Yeah, yeah I couldn't make it, so you were there. So what was it like pre-match, like with the atmosphere and the fans? It was all right, so fine, like busy, as you'd expect, because of football for fiver. Um, South Stand singing Ross Embleton name as he yeah. came out and he clapped the fans. Um, I think most people probably were quite relieved that Fletcher had gone, speaks to a few people outside, a few people thought he might have been given more time, a few people were happy he'd gone, bit of a mix, but everyone was generally quite positive, but all in agreement that we needed to see a win today to get us back on track. So I guess let's find out if it happened. So the match kicked off and it couldn't have got off to any worse start for the O's of Scunthorpe, took the lead in the fourth minute as a corner, fell to Gillied, just outside the box, he controlled the ball, had a shot, beautiful shot to be fair to him. Top corner, top bins, 1-0. Brilliant move and we were a goal down after four minutes. As good as the finish was, got to be better at defending the corner. Got to put the pressure on Gilly to strike it. If someone's in his face, he's not getting that ball away as mm. clean as what he does. Um, but the corner we conceded, really preventable. It was a basic cross from their right. Coulson goes to clear it, miss kicks it, and the ball almost dinged in over Brill's head. But it's just little things like that where if we could see did that corner last year in the National League and a play come, and that ball comes to one of their players, it probably goes well over the bar or straight into Brill's hands. It's just these little differences. But we shouldn't have ever conceded that corner. Of course, we should have just seen that ball out mm. and be done with it. Mm. However, it's not what happened and we were a goal down. Yeah, a bit of a world of a strike, um, but poor how the ball was allowed to get into a dangerous zone and not be cleared by an Orient player. I don't think the corner comes in. I don't think it goes past hip height. And it's allowed to, to, to filter through several players who were at the near post. And it sits around the middle until it pings out to this guy and he's just smashed it. Like, he'll never score another goal like that again. Yeah, I agree. don't think. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It's poor. Poor yeah. from us. Poor defended in our box again. Yeah, so not the best start we was after. I mean, the crowd kept on side after this. Could have been easy to go quiet. I thought the crowd kept on side. It was one of those days already. It was again, like I've said, it was cold. There were a few misplaced early passes. There was lots of. We had great possession, but the ball kept going sideways and then back and then sideways and then back to Brill. Brill would hoof it. Howard would win the knockdown, but no one would be on the knockdowns, and it would almost be repeat. Scunthorpe would try and attack. It would break down. We'd have the ball. Would pass it back side. Brill would pump it up in the air. Mm. Howard would knock it down. Scunthorpe would run it back. Back to us. Sounds boring. And repeat. To be fair, Scunthorpe got that early goal. So all the onus wasn't us 
they, they got the goal and you're like they're just going to counter us now they were kind of like right come at us and we're going to counter you and we didn't really well, again we'll come to it have the final apart from one chance that we'll come on to later we never had the final ball to get around the back of them and then when we did it didn't happen mm. but we digress 16th minute our first real chance of the game Dennis done well spun off his man had a yard uh, of space shot I, over the bar but it got the crowd a bit more lively got a bit more singing up I'm thinking alright come on now push on mm-hmm. 20 minutes on the clock then and we almost equalised following some good build up play Jordan Maguire drew crossed the ball in which was flicked on and Clay is denied thanks to good and brave save from Eastwood in the scumfort goal and as I was following this on social media there was quite a few Eastwood makes a good save or you know he's come out he's done this he's done that so we did test him he, you know, he wasn't standing there as a passenger yeah we, we... I think that was probably the main chance of the first half, if you could call it a chance. Clay does it all right, but Eastwood was well on it. And he was quite a young keeper. I thought he'd mm. done well with that. And then, like I said, next step, 20 minutes, we had the possession again, but kept going back a lot. Brill would pump it up, and it, they would really come to nothing. And Scunford would just say, right, come at us, because we're one up. But you always felt that coming forward, Scunford did look a bit dangerous. And I got to 40 minutes, and I said, I'd take one nil here at half time I don't want to concede a second because you've got the feeling if anyone was going to score it was going to be Scunthorpe and not Leighton Orient so the 41st minute Brophy had a shot that was 50 away by Eastwood and 44th minute Sam Ling I thought done brilliantly to prevent Isa tapping home with a superbly timed challenge they got down the back of our right hand side um, and a great delivery from their man and Ling out of nowhere made the challenge but for me and again, I don't want to seem like I'm attacking Coulson, but Coulson gets absolutely done in the build-up today. Yeah. It gets done for, for pace so easily. Um, and I think really that saved our day. Because had we gone in at 2-0 down, I thought we might have been looking at 3 or 4-0. I think. So yeah, really I, great credit there to Sam. I agree with you. I think that Sam... Yeah, I mean, Sam's read that take about, mate. Like, that's a superb really challenge. Good. And I think you're absolutely right. I think Josh Coulson should have done so much better to stop that from happening because it was him who was running for the ball in the first place and he's allowed their man to get in front of him, win that ball. The man then stands off of him. Josh gives him the space and the man plays the ball around him to the oncoming... I don't know who was... I don't know who their man was who crossed it in or who was tracking their man. But we've just stood there and watched the guy giving him too much. He's yeah. like, go on, then you pass it. Like like we've got all the time in the world, all the space in the world. We haven't. And we've just got to be better. We've got to be sharper. We've got to stop letting them play their game. And, and, and we've got to put them under pressure um, to do that. Uh, we had three minutes of injury time. That was all played out. We go in at half-time, 1-0 down in front of 6,670 fans with 612 making the trip down. Uh, from Scunthorpe so decent attendance I know it was sold out people don't seem to grasp the fact that although it's sold out not every bum was on a seat but lots, that, of, lots of questions today to Danny Macklin yes I saw um, and he responded saw, as well to be fair yeah I think off the back of Daniel Mays who's obviously a public figure public actor who turned up late didn't he no he turned up at 3 o'clock expecting just to go to a turnstile and walk in and then kicked off it's been announced that it's all ticket. Absolutely. Announced it's all ticket, but then I guess seeing empty seats inside the stadium is kind of... Yeah, but they can't sell him another oh, ticket. I absolutely agree. I absolutely it's a agree. season ticket seat or a ticket that someone's bought and not turned up. Like, that's a lot of people, though, to be fair. That's like 2,500 people that have got a ticket and haven't turned up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're 9,000, just over, just under 9,200 capacity, and we're at 6'6", six, six, and 612 of them... Are away. All right, so you're going to say that about six or seven hundred 
I don't, are I, away, got in the away end, so say, that takes that down to 1,500. I've got to say, it didn't feel like there was two and a half empty thousand seats there. Well, you th- well, so out of those two and a half thousand, 700 of those are probably are in the away end, because that holds 1,300. Yeah, I mean, the north stand, obviously, right? I can't tell you what the south stand looks like, because I sit in it, it felt busy in the south stand, west looked packed, east stand looked really busy, mm. north stand, a lot of empty seats in the north stand. Right. Um, but again Danny Macklin was all over Twitter this morning I'm sure they'll look at ways they can develop that and bring in a better ticketing system or an easier way to resell I think the only thing that you can do is have a card system like they're doing in Premier League but it's very expensive to get all the turnstiles made because then you know who's been and who hasn't yeah absolutely and that way they can someone can just email the company saying I'm not coming and they can just take that ticket and but well, that's, that's what that's what Maxim was talking about you, it's an easy it's easy it's much easier to resell your ticket yes via uh a ticket um, function yeah. like that which you can do but we digress so the second half kicks off the O's were unchanged a much better start we had more intense I mean it's going to be hard to play as poor as we were in the first half so you're yeah. coming out here going we'll come out better in the second half first five minutes were pretty good a bit more attacking intent um, a bit more passion a bit more drive uh, Matt Har- Harold had the ball in early on from a rebound offside flag was up well before he kicked it in was I'm he? not no idea. Right. Flag was up really early. That goal's not been on any highlights reels. No. Doesn't seem like it's a big deal to be made out of it. So mm. probably. Okay. Yeah, probably was. So 60 minutes on the clock to on the hour mark. Now Josh Coulson did well and he tackled Lee Novak just as he was about to uh, pull the trigger. Yeah, Josh. To be fair, Josh, we've been critical of him uh, in the game points. He's done very well there. I've got to say, he did do well there. Cool. 64th minute. So the best chance of the game for the O's. This was the moment, really, to get back into it. Great footwork from Brophy. We've all done really well there. Played a perfectly weighted and time ball into Louis Dennis into the right-hand side of the area. And with time and space, got to say, a very weak shot from Louis Dennis. Comfortable save Poor. for me. Poor uh, shot. With his feet. We saved it with his feet. When you're having a game like we had yesterday, where chances are few and far between, you have to be clinical Correct. in those moments. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. And you would expect more from a player of his stature. Yeah, I would... I would I would agree, yeah. and and when and that's Dennis. That was Dennis's chance to kind of make himself a hero. Do you know what I mean? Like to get him goal, get himself confidence again, kick on from there. Right, and that's, this is what I've said. Was it last one nine eight or one nine seven? Where I said people like him and JMD haven't really, yeah. when been given the opportunity, grabbed it with both hands and really given the management a real headache. Is my God, we've got to find a way to get this guy in the in the side. Yeah, absolutely. Because of the impact. They just happen to just fit in and, and just be as mediocre as everybody else. And that shot was poor. I'm not a footballer, but I believe that I would have done better than that. <laughs> if that goes in, though, you've got 25 minutes again. One exactly. All, ground rocking. Changes the, everything. Ground rocking, and we go and probably... Scunthorpe probably take a bit of knock for confidence. Yeah, absolutely. You've got 6,000 fans on our side backing us. You've got to think that some heads will probably drop at Scunthorpe a little bit. Um, and and we you know we've suddenly got the upper hand here. Yeah, um, I agree. But but that doesn't happen. So 65th minute, then Lee Angle came on for Dan Happy. With James Brophy moved to left back, and Angle went on the left wing. Right. So then in the 74th minute, the second substitute for the O's, James Alabi came on for Louis Dennis. See if Louis Dennis scores that, he probably stayed on the pitch. Possibly. He's probably fit. He's probably got the adrenaline running through his body. He's yeah. full of confidence. Makes it makes that choice a lot harder for Correct. us and the guy. So 79th minute in. Scunthorpe killed the game off. They made it 2-0 as a Dean Brill goal kick fell to a Scunthorpe player who played in Lee Novak. He ran into the box and his powerful shot from a tight angle mm. flew past the top corner through Dean Brill. Game over. 
2-0. So, for me, Brooks not, we've not talked about Dean Brooks' save. They've had two chances. They've been clinical with theirs. And it's 2-0. They're great goals, though, they? to be fair. Like, you're not saving those. No, I think a few people have said Novak may have been offside. It's very tight. It's very it tight. tight yeah. Really tight. I think he was, but I'm going to be biased in that, I think. And again, to be uber critical, Colson again, is out of done for pace there. With Once his man's in front of him, and Col- you said Colson's not recording, winning the pace. He's not that fast there, man. I, I don't think no- Novak isn't known for his pace. No. Great finisher, but wasn't known for his pace. And once he's ahead of Colson, Colson can't get back ahead oh, of him. Man. Really disappointing. And 2 0. A massive influx, out, sorry, outflux of fans. When yeah. that goal went in, you just saw them all heading towards the exits with 10 minutes left. 89 minutes on the clock then. James Alabi had an effort that Eastwood uh, was forced to save at his near post as three minutes of added time are, uh, are put up on the clock. Yeah, 91st minute. Had a free kick. James, he whipped it in from the right and Alabi heads over with Josh Wright just behind him in space waiting for the ball. If Alabi leaves that... Josh Wright is absolutely free in acres of space with the goal at his mercy. It was a bit tighter than that. He was just behind him and it was quite crowded along that line. But I think he would... I, I, but it would if, if Alabi had left it, Josh Wright would probably have done better. I think Josh Wright scores Because he was further back and therefore more in line with the goal. I, James Alabi, if you look, if you watch it... He bulldozes it. Yeah. It comes from nowhere. Where, where the ball goes is where he was always looking. So he never adjusted and he was too far forward to be able to get that on target. Josh was the better man, but in the heat of battle, what can you do? Absolutely. 92nd minute, Alabi has another effort. It was weak, this one. Easily saved. That's three efforts by Alabi in three minutes, more than any other own player. The whole game has done, yeah. Um, shortly after, the full-time whistle goes as the O's fall to a disappointing 2-0 defeat to cap off a miserable week as we're now winless in six matches with Scunthorpe picking up their first three points on the road since early... January. I mean, that in itself tells you a story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, Ross Embleton spoke to a lot of the press after the game. He did. Um, we're going to pick out uh, a couple of bits that he said. He said, I thought the boys had a go. I thought, um, I thought in the first half we were on the verge of an okay performance. The message at half time was that we looked a little bit edgy and nervy and a little bit slow and we made unenforced errors at times. I thought we were very nearly able to create chances. We never really created anything clearly. We were very near to putting them under a bit more pressure than we perhaps did. Yeah, he was asked about Carl Fletcher uh, and said, you try to learn from everybody I've worked. Uh, For some people, I haven't gone on with in my career and hopefully I've taken from those people. Hopefully it's made me a better coach when I've come to this club and the jobs I've done in the past. I feel I probably have learned things. You take the good from the bad from everybody, and hopefully some people will do the same for me. You'd be very close-minded if you didn't try to adjust and try to take and develop from anybody that you work with. So read into that in... What, what you, you will, will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the league table meant that defeat sees us staying in 17th position. We've played 18 now. We've only won five. We've only drawn five, but we've lost eight. We're on a goal difference now of minus six, and we've got 20 points accumulated so far this season. Only eight points off of the playoffs. And seven off of relegation. So, I mean, eight points from the playoffs, that's beating Scunthorpe, that's beating Crawley early in the season, that's beating Markham when you beat in the playoffs. Yeah. So, I mean, it's swings and roundabouts yeah, so, so tight. tight Yeah, so tight so your view I know you weren't there yesterday but your views yeah I mean terribly disappointing all the hype pre-match of the managerial change and the packed out stadium but the team just couldn't deliver 
and we fell to a defeat to a team below us in the league. Obviously, I wasn't there, so I can't pick the bones out of it all, but it looked like we had enough of the ball and we just weren't clinical enough in either box yet again. Uh, not going to go on about this as it's just another twist in <laughs> our season. I think we'll get it right. I think the big test is next week. It's going to be even harder. We're against high-flying Forest Green Rovers who are doing very well at the moment, and all I can say is just keep the faith and buckle up. It's going to be one hell of a bumpy season. <laughs> For me, it's just one of those games where nothing really went for us they scored the early goal and then they sat back and we never really had that final ball to come yeah. open we had lots of possession like I said went back and forth Brill would launch it Howell done really well I thought to win some of the flick-ons but once we won the flick-on there was no there was no one there mm. no one driving it mm. we didn't really get going quite frustrating at times a few misplaced passes a few poor decisions but saying that we did have chances like we said if Louis Dennis scores in the 65th minute game changer different game yeah. Different game. I thought Ling done really well yeah. yesterday. I did think he done well. I thought Alabi done well as well. And again, the benefit of Alabi is that when the crowd goes silent, when you're 1-0 down, he gets the crowd going. He comes on and you hear the Alabis and Alabi scores are on the pitch and he seems to generate this buzz that you don't... Not even when... Limited, like Lee Angle comes on, doesn't generate the same buzz that James Alabi does. True. And Angle point. is a better footballer yeah that didn't generate half the buzz James Alabi is like James Alabi Jabo Iberi 2.0 yeah honestly <laughs> just for the buzz the, the buzz that he done he's worth bringing along on for that last 10 minutes just to get the crowd involved in the game and if he does ever score there's no doubt that there will be a mini pitch invasion if he scores at Brisbane Road a few fans will get on that pitch yeah um, disappointed and I finish by saying you know what it will be for Green Rovers next week. Oof. It is typical. Oh, it it is typical. Typical. It, it is typical Leighton Orient to go oh. and put in a performance next week against Forest Green Rovers, which we will come on to in due course. So more views came in after mm, that match at Foot Lockwood, which is a new Twitter account to us. So he said, manager this, manager that. The focus now falls on the players and there are quite a few simply are nowhere near good enough. No more sentiment in January, please. A clear out is in order. Oh, okay. Vince Howard, 73, said, the players are simply not good enough for this level and too much sentiment for the club to progress. If Nigel and Kent honestly want the club to progress, they need to make some big decisions. And Matty, LFC Evans, says, it's going to take a few matches to get the boys playing like they were before Fletcher got them into the rut they're currently in. Nice to see Ross play two up top and stamp his way of football back to to the team unless we get Tisdale Ross for me should be named manager John, Josh John Rogers said when some players are simply not up to league standard then you can try any formations or combinations you like it will not work quality in the middle of the park is so clearly lacking and Coulson unfortunately looks shot to pieces Spenno 011 says Scunthorpe were too comfortable all game I'm now thinking it doesn't matter who our manager is because there's players in our league that have been found out and League 2 is maybe a step too far. Once we went 1-0 down, it had a defeat written all over it and we were absolutely toothless. Yeah. A lot of players, a lot of fans really frustrated yesterday. Yeah. And I think it was the fact that Scunthorpe were coming below us in the table and we never really got at them. I think that's the most frustrating part. I think it's just another club we've helped in their season, really, by giving them yeah. three points. A lot of fans saying as well, a lot of the players are not up to League Two standard. Yeah. Wrecker um, Blue App said that he thought that we were beaten by a poor team today as we looked devoid of confidence. Another goal conceded from a sloppy clearance from a corner. Thought Ling did well today, but team looked shaken. Think we need some fresh players in January in midfield and defence. I think the confidence point is probably fair. You know, they lost to Morecambe. 
they then went and lost them all in the tip tree. They lost Demons, yesterday to Scunthorpe. So it's um, mm. but on the flip side, Ross gets a week now to spend with them, not just a day. Yeah. He gets the week to yeah. get them ready for the next one. Paul LT2P says, "How poor are we? I reckon in Jan window we need seven players, at least a goalkeeper, two fullbacks, two centre midfield, and two strikers." How bad does the squad look? These players cannot compete physically in League 2. Richie J. Bourne said the Fletcher effect was not going to change overnight. You can see so many players have lost belief. Remember when Justin took charge at Solihull, it will take a game or two and we have enough games to climb the table. Yeah, L- fair point. LFC 1978 says, Dyer, look toothless in attack and midfield non-existent. Too many players not up to it. Why is Marsh on the bench? Need Angle and Wilkinson back fast. Why are we playing Angle out wide? I mean, that was... Good point, Angle on the left midfield didn't really do much and on the back of that Brophy went to left back and Brophy was looking like he might create something but when you put him at left back he's not going to give you anything up top because he's had the back. Mm, mm. Um, so thought that was a Fletcher special easiest away win Scunthorpe will get all season. Kid Sampson O said Scunny were very poor on the ball but defended well. We were quite bright in the first half but disjointed in the second. Disappointed with the reaction after their admittedly offside second. Heads went straight down. Dennis needs to get in the gym. He's as light as a feather. Wilco 300 said made plenty of excuses this season but today I saw a team that simply weren't good enough. We hold these players in our hearts and always will but we now need to move on and move forward and it seems like the fans now are starting not to turn on these players but go for the first time I think reading post-match tweets to go maybe these players aren't actually as good as what we hoped they would be in League mm. 2 or what we thought they were Daniel underscore D44 said actually thought we were not that bad today we put in some good crosses but lacked quality in the box that said I thought some of our decision making was poor once again we're too slow moving the ball forward it's a big worry that we are falling to Sorry, failing to beat some poor teams. JT, 1979. So some poor decisions by the side, but nowhere near as bad as some are saying. First goal was a worldie, where was, as a result of a corner, we shouldn't have conceded. Second goal was offside, but we offered nothing in attack. People slating Galabi, but thought he created more than the most. Here you go. Smith, under, uh, sorry, SMTH Jack 7 said, should have cleared the corner and then should have had someone on the edge for the first. One long ball and, they've, and they're through for the second zero creativity in that team and the players don't look interested and a lot think they're better than they are Orient Ballbag says what's really annoying is that the league is bang average from the teams we've played against apart from one or two the rest have been poor get the right man in replace three or four players and we could find ourselves in the playoffs yeah Boatsy gets the final word this week he says this week has been a mare not enough time for Ross to plan tactics with the team as work would have been done with Fletcher on Wednesday massive week coming up on the training ground we need to bounce back next week so thank you for all the tweets and what has been an awfully busy fortnight at Orient Outlook podcast hours let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the tweets that have been read out you can email us at orientoutlook.com or on Twitter or in Outlook or on Facebook or in Outlook Podcast or on Instagram for you youngsters out there Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast so the prediction league <laughs> the moment you've all been waiting for there were no correct predictions for this match meaning the top of the prediction league still stands with Sue underscore Manx on 12 points 
Allen AVM 1502 and Walla are on 11 points. And on 10 points, we've got Steve Chaplin for and Stephen Orrit. So thanks to everybody for your predictions. And post-match, Steve, you were quite a busy boy, weren't you? Mate, I was here doing everywhere. You were on added time with Oliver Buck and Mike Brown. Uh, you also did Love Sport Radio. I'd have had zero chance of doing that because I had zero signal uh, <laughs> where I was. Um, but also, um, quite interestingly, you managed to catch... About 15 minutes with Orient Chairman Nigel Travis, and you spoke about Carl Scunthorpe and various other bits and pieces. So, without further ado, let's listen to Nigel Travis. So, Nigel, thank you for joining us post Scunthorpe. So, to start, it's been a very busy week at Orient. On Thursday, we had the news that Carl Fletcher has left the club. Obviously, didn't fit in with the culture at Orient, and having written a book on the <laughs> culture, what are your thoughts on, on Carl? Well, I've said it a few times. I think it was embarrassing that we didn't get it right. I feel very sorry for Carl. Um, yeah, this is a club that's built on stability and this is the smacks of the prior regime, letting someone go so quickly. But the culture rules very strongly here. And we work very hard. I mean, go back, we had the devastation that the prior regime caused at the place and the fact we had to inherit a club with lots of issues we built it I mean a lot of contributive elements there you know just a few Kents walking around management by walking around connecting with the fans is unbelievable um, I think our openness I think I mean I remember the first week we had the club <laughs> Or actually, first two days, someone said we've had more communications in two days than three years before. So all that is important. And there's a thread there. It's about people engagement. It's about everyone's treated the same, as I think everyone knows. And someone came up to me today and said, I know I'm not allowed to call you chairman. So can I call you sir? I said, certainly not. I'm Nigel, or mate, right? And that's how we like to see this place. I mean, we're all in it together. Um... You know, everyone's got a view. Few of us make decisions, but everyone's got a view. And I think this is an incredibly difficult place for an outsider to come into now because we've lived through promotion, no, the struggles, promotion, Justin's passing, which is, no one's lived through that. And I was just meeting with Kerry Edinburgh and talking to her and, you know, I was describing what he meant to me, what he meant to Ian. Um because I've got this great picture of Ian and Justin standing after the Braintree game. There's only half of Justin in the picture. <laughs> but this is a guy related to everyone. So we've all lived through this together. It must be very difficult to come in to an, to an organisation with all that history and such a strong culture. And I don't want to criticise Cole, but I find it somewhat strange that he perhaps didn't work harder on that side to get to understand it and integrate himself, because I think we're also quite welcoming. That's, I mean, it's like a barrier to the culture, but yeah. you have to integrate yourself. And I think we've had some players who've managed to do it quite well. Josh Wright's a good example. Um, I do recognise how difficult and I think we would we got some signs early that it wasn't working 
I remember he had a difficult spot following Ross after mm. 10 points out of 12. Yeah. Um, and we watched it and it didn't get any better. And there was something totally missing. Clearly he's a very good coach. He's clearly a bright football brain. But when you reflect on how Justin lifted the whole club, me included, my family included, that leadership was somehow missing. And and yes, it is embarrassing when you've written a book on culture. And <laughs> I know you've read it. A very good book, by the way. Can I give it a plug? A very good yeah. book. Uh, I think I think we just had to make a decision and I think people are being impressed we made it so quickly uh, so we just have to move on now so was Sunday the final straw that broke the cameras no, back no, or? it wasn't about results so so I, I think you'll validate this I mean some people said we went quiet after Sunday but I did try and do it yep. I, I actually sent you a text can I go on the podcast tonight because I wanted to em- I wanted to say sorry to the fans I mean as a fan myself nothing like having an FA Cup run mm. now as a chairman it's also nice to have the money but anyway that's secondary but I thought this could really give us a lift um, now fortunately we got through thanks to South End actually them winning is kind of an amazing event but uh, uh, we've got a game at Bristol Rovers now let's hope that can be exciting <laughs> but the FA Cup's different and I think we uh, I wanted to apologise to the fans that didn't happen it really wasn't anything to do with Cole I mean actually I thought the game they played great but we were a bit unlucky mm. it was a bit like the trophy final in many ways though we didn't hit the woodwork as many times but anyway that's what I wanted to say on Sunday OK so when it comes to points in a new head coach would the ball change their approach or would they take a slightly different approach and maybe go from a more personable angle now that you know Cole didn't work out so well from a personality I think I think we've learnt that we need to put even more emphasis than we did we thought we did a lot on, on the people side and and you know criticising me for once I think I need to have someone come like to Boston or go to Dallas to see Kent and you know, have a dinner with them, a breakfast with them, walk around a bit. Because what I typically do when I have someone who works for me is interview them four times in different situations. You know, it, in Duncan it was walk around stores for a few hours. Uh, actually, the best way of interviewing someone I've always thought is on the golf course. Perhaps, perhaps that's a good answer. Yeah. But anyway, we we got to improve. And obviously, having Ross Hamilton is great. He's back as a gym head coach. But does that also kind of slow down the process? Knowing that you've got someone so reliable makes it a less urgent task of recruiting a head coach. It may be less urgent or it may not be needed. I mean, when Ross gave up the job last time, I had a good chat with him. And Ross is a great thinker. He, th- he, th- he thinks about stuff in a really good way. Uh, I mean, I think that's why he's so good on your show. Yeah. I mean, he, he, does, he he's, he's a great guy. And I said... You may be like Les Gore. Now, Les Gore is well before your time and well before Ross's time. But I think he was like acting manager, I don't know how many times, let's say seven. Uh, and it, But he was successful at it. I think Ross could well grow into it and may grow into wanting it. But I, for one, don't want to force him there. 
you know, it's, it's got to be something he wants. It has to be within, and he clearly didn't want it um, when he announced a couple of months ago that he didn't want to do it. Um, but he may want to do it, and he may be very successful. So if he did turn around to you and say, I like it full time, you'd consider? Oh, yeah. You'd consider yeah, that? we'd definitely consider. I mean, I think in many ways, I'm talking now as a fan, it'd be great that one of our own did it. Uh, but we got a lot of depth. I mean, it, we got, obviously, Danny, who just walked past the door, Joby, um, and then even in the, over in the academy, we've got some people. I mean, Brian Sarr's back in, and someone said to me, well, I went to see the academy this morning, the under-18s, under-16s, and someone said to me, wow, Brian Sarr's really good. He'll be, he'll be a first-team manager one day. That's not my view, that's what someone said to me. So, yeah, we've got a lot within. Um, so we'll see, but good luck to Ross in the short term. Absolutely. Have you got any timelines that you want to appoint by, or is it just as it comes? Sometimes, sometimes, and you and I both talk about business a lot, you have to say, forget the timelines, just take it every day and see what happens. So you've been quite busy, you got here on Thursday, yeah. uh, you was on TalkSport yesterday morning with Jim White. Yeah. And Martin Keown, lots lots of discussion there. Yeah, well, it was good discussion, and so this another bizarre thing in this crazy year has been the demise of Berry. Bolton were really that close again. I get the feeling that Macclesfield are extremely close, um, and I think what we've got to do is think football needs to be fixed. And doing it the same old way isn't common sense. I was talking actually to the, I don't know what his title is, managing director, CEO of Scunthorpe, who's on the league board, he totally agrees. So I think it's going to be changed. There needs to be change. And basically, um, I've got a document that I've shared with the league. Where we've done, we as a board have done some thinking about it. Um, and I think you'd appreciate that. I think there's many things we can do, but the short version is the owners and directors t- test is a joke. It's kind of a paper exercise. Why not have some ex-chairman or people who know what they're talking about just sit down and interview these people because very quickly they may find there's some questionable characters coming into the game. That's one. Another idea I had was that if you don't pay players... And the league and the League Managers Association, which, by the way, I think is a really good organisation, make a recommendation that they haven't been paid, so you lose two points. You don't get a fine, you get you lose two points. I mean, I think that would focus the mind. Um, I think there's a whole concept of having a consulting group that helps clubs because it's kind of a strange business. And a lot of foreigners who come in have, haven't got the knowledge base. So that's another thing we talked about. Um, I think the most radical two things that we've said to the league is that the salary cap needs to be rethought. It should be probably at 40%. It shouldn't include loans. It shouldn't include, as in Derby's case, selling a stadium. Um, I mean, it's, it's Mickey Mouse money, the way they've been treating it, and people cheat as a result. Can't have it. Um the economics don't support that kind of thing. And effectively what people do is cheat their way to getting out of the league. And if you look at the Berry situation, that's what happened. 
they, you know, we were in this league next year, so we've got no dog in the hunt, as they say. And I think that's an American <laughs> phrase. Um, but the, the 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 point is that Berry didn't pay for those players effectively, and they had debts, mm. so that got them up falsely. Uh, sadly, they got punished the ultimate punishment for it but you can't have that I mean it makes the league a travesty the salary cap works very well in a lot of American sports and I think it's important the other radical thought and this is learning from the National League is you know if you had a factory that was occupied 5% of the time you'd shut the factory down non-match day revenue we're working very hard at and Josh Stevens who works with Danny Macklin has done um, doing an unbelievable job and we're, we're and quick ad for our fans. If you want any functions, come here, because we are trying to work on that very hard. But but one of the things I think could revolutionise football, give clubs the chance to put in a 3G or 4G pitch or a deso pitch, cis pitch, or that's the mixture of plastic and grass, because not being able to use the pitch more often is is a real issue. So this whole idea of how you can use your facilities and your assets better is something that I think the league understand and kind of agree with. So I think you're going to see a more open-minded approach to that. And I think we learned a lot about that in the National League with people like Sutton and uh, Boreham mm. Wood. So a lot spoken about on TalkSport. So let's bring it full circle into today. Busy day for you. You've done a Q&A uh, half 12 with Martin and Danny and Rich. How was that? I think it was good. I mean, the feedback's been fantastic. I mean, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of, we don't bullshit people. I mean, I think we tell the truth. Fans appreciate it. Um, if, I, if I'm a fan, that's what I want. And I think you have to be honest with the people who support you, and that's what we try and be. So that was a great success. Um, I tried to do a mini Kent Teague, which is I stood in the shop for some time. Actually, I did shake quite a few hands, and uh, so so that was good. I went over the other side. We're making progress on the east stand. Hopefully, it'd be more the next game. Um, and then we had the game, which I thought we played actually okay. The first half didn't see the goal, but we played okay. I thought we'd do well in the second half. We didn't do so well, but. I put it down to being a strange week and Scunthorpe are better than Averthurst. So I guess to finish off then, what's, what's your closing message to Orient fans on this on this evening? Well, we're in 17th spot. Uh, I still think we've got a chance to get to higher up the table. This playoffs are only eight points away, amazingly. I mean, thank God we had that run in the middle. Let's hope we can get another run. Keep supporting the club. Um, we're going to keep working very hard to make this the club that I think it should be which is back in a firm League One position um, football has to change we're going to push for that but thank everyone for their ongoing support and listening to your podcast so thank you very much indeed to Nigel for giving up 15 minutes of what was a very busy day for him. Um, and no, it's great. It's cracking. I mean, he said everything and more on, on that TalkSport interview, which is online. He did gave an hour of his time for, you know, fan questions. He went into the shop. You know, I think there might be a slight danger of sort of overexposure here because, and, and, and I don't mean that to sound like such a negative, but 
hands up, got it wrong, that's great. No other club do I know that comes out and said that we're embarrassed by by making that mistake. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it was a mistake that was made. Fair enough, you were honest enough to to hold your hands up and say um, that you've you've got that wrong, and we'll, we'll you know we'll make it right and we'll move forwards and and, and we should back the team. That's absolutely right. Um, I mean, if someone was to show me a chairman who said they got every appointment right, I'll show you hundreds who haven't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or maybe even thousands who haven't. So from that point of view, like kudos to the to the board. But you know, don't in my view, my personal view is like, okay, it's done. We move, draw a line under it. We, you know, we move on. I think that there, there might come a point where there's that overexposure where fans will suddenly think, well you've made this mistake, maybe on the next mistake, it was like, well, why aren't you coming out? Why aren't you flying over from Texas or Boston to come and front, front it up and sit in yeah. front of us and, you know, spoiling people, basically, with, with too much, um, you know, too much of, of, of your, exp- ex- you know, too much explanations. But I completely understand that. It's just Nigel's way. And it's, no, we're, we're there, we're here, we're not hiding in the boardroom away from the fans. Yeah, of course. We're going to talk completely get that. Um, but I think we're spoiled a little bit by that. By that yeah. good nature that and and how that's that's how Nigel likes to operate. So, it, I'm cool with it. It's it's fine. But I'm just saying, as an observation. Absolutely. So again, thanks to Nigel. Thanks to Elliot yeah. Byrne and the media team at the club for helping to sort out that interview. Um, it was great. Thank you to uh, Ollie and Mike for having me on added time. If you haven't watched it, give it a watch. You made you some good points. I thought it was really good actually. You, you yeah, see yeah, no, you did. this handsome well. face. How was Love Sport Radio as well? Was it like two minutes? Yeah, it was all right. They were just asking a lot about Carl Fletcher, Carl Fletcher as yeah. opposed to the game. But I don't know. I presume you can listen to that online as well if the uh, one hour 44 so much isn't enough or for an Outlook podcast yep. for so you. Let's so let's on and wrap up. Let's do it. So today, on the 17th of November, and the Orient ladies were in action in the first round of the Women's FA Cup away at Cheltenham. And they won the game 1-0 thanks to a second half goal from Ellie Stennings. She also scored early in the week. So great week for Ellie. So we've now progressed to the second round of the FA Cup for the first time in our history. We face Portsmouth away. They are, I think Portsmouth are a division above us. I was speaking to someone yesterday who said they're a league above us. Uh, and we face them away on Sunday, the 1st of December. Well done, the ladies. Absolutely. And good luck in the second round. So let's move on then. Fancy football. Although there wasn't any this week, we didn't podcast last week, so we're covering last week here. Andy Chalk, well done to you. You're top of the Orient Outlook podcast League, you've got 757 points and you're just seven points ahead of Jack Harrison, who's in second. Steve has dropped a bit down to 140th out of 284 players. In the Dream Team League, though, Andy Chalk is top of that Again. one as well with 778 points. He's five points ahead of Michael Head, who's in second. And you're doing very well in this. You're 23rd out of 87 players. So well done to everybody that can still be bothered to do those. So positives and negatives of the fortnight then. So we've got four of each. So we have got positives. So positives of this week? Go. Yep, so first go of all, the board, you know, they saw something wasn't right and they acted on it. And we can yep. only commend them on that. That's the first positive. So well done to the board. Secondly, Lee Angles returns. He was flying before he got the injury. Hopefully, he gets another week of training, comes back stronger, maybe even starts on Saturday. I guess yep. we'll see where him we're Him and at. Harold possibly up front next week. Possibly him and Wilkinson. If Depending if Wilkinson's fit, yeah. yeah. Uh, leasing.com progress. So like we've said, now that the FA Cup, does the leasing.com trophy get more emphasis on it to go and yep. progress on that? And we've got to mention this week, two wins this week in the second round of the FA Cup for the first time in their history. 
great week to be an Orient lady. Well done, ladies. Fantastic news. Uh, Negatives falls to me this week then. So the loss yesterday and obviously our goal difference taking quite a bit of a hit as well. Obviously going out the FA Cup uh, is a bad thing. And the injury list still building. Uh, We've got Wilkinson in there, Dayton, McEnough and Widowson as well. So I've got to mention, obviously we we normally play Ross Embleton's interviews. We didn't this week just because of time. But Joby had an operation last week. Ross said he will be out um, for a good chunk of time. So they didn't put a timeline on it, but we don't expect Joby a feature in an Orient shirt for at least the next couple of weeks. I took that as from Ross's interview, which is on uh, the Orient YouTube channel. But he did say Wilkinson will be back training early Monday, this, Tuesday, I think. Early this week. And yeah. he said Widowson. Uh, and Dayton later yeah. in the week, so hopefully that's sort of too late for out. Forest Green, but probably. probably. Yeah. Okay, um, and then obviously sacking uh, of our manager is another negative. Although the positive of that is that he needed to be sacked, so <laughs> it's one of those things. Um, so here are the fortnight. Um, so we're gonna, uh, yeah, I think we were pretty unanimous about this yeah. uh, between us. Uh, and so the hero or heroes of the fortnight this week are. They are the Leighton Orient Board. So we're going to give it to all the board members for their transparency, openness and honesty since essentially sacking their manager on Thursday. So well done to all of them. As I say, I don't know any other boards who are as um, engaged with their fan base as this one. It's quite incredible. So we're running into next week's fixtures. Just the one fixture coming up for the O's this week as we entertain Forest Green Rovers on Saturday the 23rd of November. Forest Green Rovers second in League 2. They lost on Saturday. They had a 1-0 home defeat to Plymouth and they have a certain Ebu Adams playing for them. Ebu returns to Brisbane Road. If you go in, come and say hello. Come and see us in or around the ground. Give us an oi oi. We love that. And I will remember to bring the mugs for the mugs that were ordered that I forgot yesterday. Yeah, shame on you. Sponsorship <laughs> reminders. So don't forget, for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering. You can do that on Facebook by searching AJF Plastering. You can uh, tweet at B-I-G-A-D-Z-L-O-F-C on Twitter uh, for all your plastering and rendering needs. So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode number 199. We're hoping we'll have a special show for you for episode 200. We shall not be able to divulge further details until it's confirmed. But a lot can change in a fortnight. As you would have seen in the last 14 days, the O's have gone out the FA Cup to a team four divisions below, gone out the London Senior Cup against Hendon, progressed in the Leasing.com trophy and have parted ways with Carl Fletcher just 29 days into his uh, reign at the club Ross Embleton was put back in charge again so the next week now it's all about sticking together as a fan base continuing to support the team getting ready for Saturday for the home clash against Forest Green Rovers who no doubt will be a hard team to beat so it's all about giving Ross Danny Joby and the boys all of our support and backing them 100% as Paul said Next week we are back with the hotly anticipated episode. <laughs> it's only hotly anticipated between us. Yeah, just us two. Uh, that is here <laughs> next week. We'll have all the information and views that you could ever need. Hopefully a special guest or two. If there's someone who you want on the show, please give us an email or an out. It'd be great to see who you want, whether they are current, uh, previous or whoever. So like we always say every week, we mentioned two reviews at the beginning of the show. If you're listening on iTunes, stop the podcast now. Go on to uh, the, I, the podcast app. 
get reviewing five stars and a nice comment would be lovely and if you're listening on soundcloud spotify tune in or stitcher add us to your favorites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as they are uploaded we are also on smart speakers so chris kane came up to me yesterday and said do you know you're on the amazon alexa yeah. he said yes chris i know we yeah. mention it every podcast every week yeah so we are it's on amazon alexas we are on google echoes any smart speakers just shout at them play or an outlook podcast and our most recent episode will come on if you have an older relative a loved one or an orient chummer you think will like the podcast grab their phone and download it for them and pass the pod and as we say every week it's hanukkah's coming christmas is coming, coming. yeah there's good been stocking a fillers. spate of birthdays i'm sure there's going to be more in december yeah they are limited now there's only about 10 left if that come and dm us get your orient outlet podcast mug we can deliver these to you on Saturday, if we can. I can remember. Yeah, absolutely. So that is it. Now. That is it. Thank you to Nigel Travis. I think yes. having that interview. It's been a long podcast, but I wouldn't have taken that fifteen minutes out for anything. And we hope that's kind of cleared up any questions that you had on the good uh, questions. Great on Carl Fletcher yeah, well and on Ross Embleton. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm. Have a great week. Get ready for two hundred and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. Change it.